Hi, my name is Edwin, and welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. Uh, I am a staff designer at Airbnb, and right now I'm working on building exciting new features for connecting guests and hosts. Perfect. Perfect intro right there. Thank you so much for being willing to, to hang out with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I found you because I was really interested in, for one, Airbnb, and I thought it was a really interesting platform. Whenever I find something that I'm really interested in, whether it's where I work now or anything else out there, a lot of the times I will just make a friend there because I just have to tell them that I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there was a lot about you that was really really interesting um you have all these different things that you, you are passionate about other than work and pretty much what i like doing with my podcast is finding people that i admire and not really talking about work um so i don't know if you're, you're open to that but um yeah, uh, sure. that's what i love to do here yeah definitely what is it about airbnb specifically that you find so interesting i don't know i really i really like the sharing economy i think that that whole concept is something that is just fascinating to me um mm -hmm. and how you can connect people or connect you and something else that's outside of your reach um like for one i used to be really obsessed with and i, I still love them i loved instacart in college mm -hmm. because um i kind of lived not in a food desert but it was really hard to get food and you'd have to walk a mile to the grocery store and doing that in the cold was not ideal. And so when I found out that there was this app that you could do that, I thought that that was fascinating. And so then also a really cool thing about um, the, the world that you and I work with is that people are so social. So, mm -hmm. so many people have YouTube channels and things like that, and they share what they do. And so um, when I was in like my last two years of college, I was just like eating up that information. And so it was actually Instacart that got me into the world of like user experience design and, and mm. product design. Um, cool. And it was really fun. And so uh, with Airbnb specifically, like how else would you get in contact with somebody to stay at their home? <laughs> like, I don't know if there's any, I mean, now there's other, other companies that do similar things, but just that thing of, of sharing something with people through an app is really cool. So that's the answer, like the whole sharing economy concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the re reason I ask is because, you know, I, whenever I tell people that I work at Airbnb, I always hear very like positive things or like positive like reflections from people. Every now and then there's like, oh, I stayed at this horrible Airbnb and <laughs> but but it's usually but i really like the company or i really like the platform and i think you know what's so fascinating about that to me is that um when before i was at airbnb um you know i saw airbnb and you know similar like google and twitter and all these companies as these like these almost like um you know impenetrable fortresses of like how do i ever how do i ever get to work at a company like that but Airbnb especially took the cake because I knew that they were so focused on creating a, a really solid user experience at the very core of that. Um, and their mission is so interesting to me because it's not, you know, they are a marketplace, but they're a marketplace for people, right? Like they're a marketplace for connecting guests and hosts and creating community. And that was really fascinating to me. So yeah, I always, always like to hear what other people kind of think about Airbnb and 
um, what fascinates them about it. Do you remember before you joined Airbnb and, and when you were interviewing kind of like how you perceived it versus yeah. how you are now? Cause I'm sure it's different outside versus inside. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I had the opportunity to interview with Airbnb and there's, there's a whole story behind that, but, um, they, so I, I definitely already had this notion in my head of like, okay, like they are, they're a very interesting company. I really like their app. Like I've used their platform a bunch of times mm -hmm. and I can tell that they have obviously a passion for, um, for design in their app, you know, and, and, and throughout their website, the founders are all designers. You know, I, I read up on that before. And, um, and then when I actually got to the office, um, there, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to see what the office looks like, but it's just a, it's like a playground almost. Um, you know, like every single meeting room is modeled after an existing Airbnb. And you'll wow. see like outside of that meeting room, a little like little placard with like, you know, the actual listing that it's based on, like who's hosting this listing, like where it's located. Um, and I found that just so incredibly like amazing and even better. Uh, so I'm Dutch and for the interview process, they placed me in a little meeting room called Amsterdam and it was modeled after this like little house in Amsterdam, which was just delightful. So it's like, what gave it away to me that Airbnb is like super focused on design is, is obviously like, aside from all that, they also really care about any other experience, right? So like even the interview experience was, was designed a specific way to accommodate me as like their guest. And I felt very much like accommodated. Like they put me in a special meeting room specifically, you know, designed to like remind me of where, where I'm from. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and the, the people that I met that day were so lovely and so talented. And I just felt like immediately I felt this huge imposter syndrome just really? being surrounded by so many talented people. Um, and people that I knew from like the Twitter sphere and all that kind of stuff, you know, like, like I've seen these people on Twitter, like I follow, I follow them for like years and I know all about, you know, what they post and like when I talk about design and here I am being interviewed by them. So, um, yeah, that was kind of like my, my introduction, I guess, to, to Airbnb and like kind of like what I, what I saw before Airbnb. And then obviously when I joined, I mean, I was ecstatic when, when they offered me the job. Um, and I was really excited to join a team specifically. I was, um, I was joining the, the Airbnb plus team and the, the moment I joined, so this was like six, a little over six years ago. Um, this was right around a time that we were kind of, or Airbnb was kind of thinking about how to have more of a hand in like curating the, the homes out there on their platform. And so at the time, like everything was just like, like a free for all marketplace. And every me wanted to kind of instill this idea of like almost like a premium tier of homes or like a curated tier of homes. And so that's what Airbnb Plus was. Um, and so when I joined, it was still on a wrap and it felt very much like a startup within this bigger company. But what was really excited about exciting about it is, you know, it was obviously Airbnb as a company is already very design oriented. And this team specifically was like almost even beyond that, you know, like here we are curating these like super design, like beautifully designed homes. And we have to create this premium 
marketplace experience um, or merchandise experience on our website to really showcase the best qualities and features of these homes. Um, so that was really exciting for me. So I, I drank the Kool-Aid for a really long time. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's a testament to the fact that I'm still here, you know, six years later and still very passionate about it, still believe in a mission. I still think it's a really wonderful company. Um, and yeah, I don't think, I don't think my, my view on it really has changed. I still work with amazing people. I honestly still feel imposter syndrome sometimes because I was about to ask you that. Yeah. I, I genuinely do because there's some really, really great designers at Airbnb and, you know, we also, we're really good at poaching designers. So, <laughs> you know, every now and then there'll be a new designer and I'll be like, I know that person. I've seen their work on Twitter and I know they're, <laughs> they're so amazing. Can't wait to work with them. So, yeah. Is there anything that you would have said to yourself before you went into that interview? Like not to um, change anything, but I, I'm just assuming that you must have been nervous and then seeing all of these things and everything's real. And it sounds like the interview was in person. Is there anything yeah. that you would have said to you at that time? Um, I mean, I think the interview went really well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it went well for a few different reasons, but I think one of the reasons was because I, I actually wasn't really sure what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, I was really pleasantly surprised by all of it. I was really pleas pleasantly surprised with all the people that I met that day. Um, and I think it helps, you know, I think what Airbnb really prefers in, in their people is like genuine people. Right. Um, so we have, Part of our interview process at the time, and I said, I, th I think we still do this, is core values. So you interview, you know, with people that are related to your function, right? So you interview with, in my case, designers, product managers, writers. Um, but they also interview with uh, core value interviewers. So these are people all across the company that can sign up to be a core values interviewer. And what that is, is really just a conversation between two people unrelated to your actual like position that you're applying for. And it's really just to like scope on like, are you like, how do you, you know, who are you as a person really is, is kind of like a core question there. So I don't know if I would have really told myself anything before going into the interview. I don't think that there's really anything that I would have done differently. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would have just, reaffirmed myself and like, Hey, just be yourself, just be relaxed. And like, you know, you got this <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, not, I, I don't mean that to sound like cocky, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just as like, uh, you know, I think that, um, I think that's like the best approach to, to interviewing anyway. It's like, obviously you want to be prepared and I spend a lot of time preparing and, and just getting my, my whole portfolio presentation, like super top notch. Um, but yeah, I think I just went in just being myself and, you know, having genuine conversations with people and just being excited about everything. And I think that helped a lot. So we're talking about kind of like who you were five years ago, six years ago. Um, something that I like to do to, to start the conversation, like from the very beginning is my absolute favorite question. And that question is, uh, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> <laughs> I could give you a million answers to that question. 
We have uh, a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I think one of the very first things that I wanted to be when I was a kid was an actor. Um, really? I was fascinated by it, but I didn't. I, I think I was confused about the concept of acting, and so my my purview of acting was like, oh, well, take like Mr. Bean who, you know, doesn't say anything, but mostly acts and expresses with his face. And that's acting. And that's, that's amazing. And that's like, that's like the top tier of acting. So, you know, when I, when I started taking acting classes in high school, um, you know, that was like my sort of like, uh, you know, that, that was kind of like the level that I aspired to be. Um, and so wasn't really a good actor. I think that was very clear to me. Um, and I also didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to enjoy it. And I found out very quickly in high school that it just wasn't for me at all. Um, and then, uh, was that high school? Yeah, it was high school. Uh, and so then after a little bit, I think I struggled a lot with what I actually wanted to do. Like mostly because I, I really loved being creative, but I was also really bad at drawing and arts and so you know i i one of my favorite classes was you know um actual like i guess like drawing classes and like painting and everything i was just so incredibly bad at it and i from a very early age like i was very i was like on a computer all the time like my dad was running this his company out of our attic and so he had like an extra computer set up in a corner and I would always be on a computer and I would like use this software called Flying Colors, if, if I'm correct. And it was basically like Microsoft Paint, but like advanced. And so you can actually you have these like little templates of like almost like coloring books, like digital coloring books that you can kind of like you know, put like stickers on and all that kind of stuff, but all digitally. So I was obsessed with that. And so for my arts class at a certain point, I just asked my teacher like, hey, I'm really not good at this drawing stuff. And I feel like I'm never really going to get it, even though I practice a lot. Can I just try and do something on a computer? And he was very, like, very vehemently against it. But I did it anyway. <clears throat> and I handed in an assignment that I did, like, all through, like, Photoshop and everything. I taught myself Photoshop online. And he was very impressed. But he said, this is not <laughs> it's great, but it's not the assignment. So, mm -hmm. like, you got like, to stick to drawing. So... Again, like I was just really, I didn't really know like what to do. I like, I knew I want, I liked arts. I knew I liked being creative, but I felt like I didn't, like I couldn't be an artist because I couldn't draw. Um, then at a certain point, I was like, well, maybe, maybe I want to be a lawyer. You know, I was kind of like on on a track where I was learning a lot about, you know, history and. Um, yeah, I was really, really, you know, super into history. And so it's just kind of like delving into that, maybe like criminology. And then at a certain point, I just was like, well, maybe art doesn't have to be like drawing, maybe it doesn't have to be something like that. So I kind of started doing more with like Photoshop and more, you know, online or like digital stuff. I started making posters for my school. Um, we would have these like dances, I would make posters for them, they would hang them all around the school. Um, I started kind of like making websites. Um, very primitive, basic websites. And I started like doing these contests online, like Photoshop contests where, you know, really? you take, take one image. Yeah. There's this website called DeviantArt, which yeah, yeah. is still around. And they would have these contests where you basically, 
um, you, yeah, they like, they, they started with like an image and then you kind of ping pong it around like a bunch of different people and you all add something onto, onto it and like Photoshop and, you know, it turns into this magical masterpiece or just an absolute disaster. Uh, but One of the fun. two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and so did a lot of that. I started like playing around with like, uh, with flash, which, um, you know, was kind of like my first real experience into like interactive design. And, um, I made some, like, I made some like interactive drawing tutorials with that, which again, like I was very bad at drawing, but like, <laughs> I'm figuring, you know, this is like my outlet. Um, and so, yeah, at a certain point, I was like, oh, actually, I really like this, like, digital thing. I really like this, like, interactive thing. And I kind of, like, started to learn a little bit of, like, coding, like, very basic, like, HTML, CSS. Wow. Um, how'd, you, how'd you learn that? All online. Just, uh, and YouTube wasn't really, like, a huge thing at the time. Um, but there were, like, a bunch of these websites that uh, I forget the name of. There's, like, CSS something something. And they would have these tutorials that would literally be like, here's how to create this exact thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there was this thing, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know this at all, but like, you know, there were these, before like YouTube was like a really big thing um, and Instagram and everything, there were these like internet forums that, you know, for random communities, like a video game would have like a, their own forum or like, you know, some other community might have their own forum. And I was on this forum that was like made for like some, some video game and everyone had like their own, like a little signature uh, on the forum. And there's this thing called like, like a forum signature, which is like, it's like a Photoshopped little banner thing. And it would look like it's like a very specific thing. And it's like hard to describe what it is exactly, but it would always be like, some like picture of like a 3d thing or like a, a character or whatever like photoshopped super heavily with like lens flares and blurs and, this and, that. and then <laughs> is the it music. animated yeah it could be animated yeah. sometimes it would be animated um and then like the whole point was that, like you want to have like the most the flashiest like form signature that you could possibly have and people would pay others to like design form signatures for them Okay. And so I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should start doing that. So I like started making some forum signatures. I started getting really into that, like doing a bunch of like tutorials for that. Like started getting paid for doing other people's forum signatures. Um, yeah. And so so all, with all that, I really kind of discovered like, oh, you know what? This is kind of uh, I really like doing this. I really enjoy doing this, and I feel like I'm good at it. Like I feel like even though I'm bad at drawing, like this is still art, and I feel like I'm, I actually have a shot at doing this. And so, you know, and this was all early on and, you know, I started making posters for like school and everything and then, you know, into websites. And so ultimately, I think it was like, you know, I graduated from high school and we had our summer break before going off to college and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I still thought like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to go be a lawyer, I guess, um, because that's going to make me money and I don't know how to make money off of this art thing. And so that's when I finally, like, maybe, like, probably, like, three or four weeks before college actually kicked off, like, I finally found a major that actually applied to me because my friend told me about it. And this was uh, uh, communication and media design. So that's kind of how I got mm -hmm. into actual, like, you know, the digital realm of it all. 
And I was like, oh, this is this fits perfectly. You know, this is this is about building websites, like learning how to code, um, user experience design, like research, writing, all that. Um, and it was like broad enough for me to really kind of like go into it and kind of see and explore like what what could this mean for me in my career? So yeah, that's kind of roughly how I got into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so yeah, to, to it's like short short answer to all that's basically actor <laughs> uh um i guess like art artist lawyer designer <laughs> straight path mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe maybe a few different sprinkles of other ideas in there as well but yeah was there anything before actor before actor yeah i think actors like the the, the, the sort of like the furthest back I can remember. Um, oh, I mean, I wanted to be a video game designer as well. I I was obsessed with games as a kid, and so I was really like, oh, I want to make my own video games. Uh, and I did at some point, <laughs> but that was not like a, it was not like a career aspiration or anything. What were the? I video mean, it wasn't like? it wasn't a lasting career aspiration, I guess. Yeah, fair. Some some things are meant just to be chapters in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be a video game designer when I was like really young, like maybe yeah. 12, 13. And then I figured, uh, you know, it's really hard because you got to do all this coding and stuff. And I can't really do coding. I'm really bad at math. Uh, and then later in life, like maybe like, mm, maybe like five years or so ago, like I decided, oh, actually, turns out you don't necessarily have to do a lot of math to make games. Okay. Uh, so then I, then I started exploring that a little bit on the side. Um, not a career, but, you know. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Um, so uh, I've always, well, so it's another aspiration of mine. I wanted to be a 3D artist. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Um, but yeah, so I was always kind of, you know, obsessed with like 3D and 3D art. Uh, and and video games and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, about five years or so ago, I think I, maybe five or six years ago, like roughly around the time that I joined Airbnb, I kind of decided like, you know what? Like there's this like thing that I've been wanting to do for a long time, which is make my own video game. And I've been telling myself that like this whole time, I don't necessarily need to make it my career, but why don't I just try? Like, why don't I just learn? Like what's the, what's the worst that can happen? And so yeah, I just started taking a coding course online. Um, and then, you know, that kind of turned into learning some, some 3d modeling and animation. Uh, and then that turned into kind of like learning how to actually put all of those pieces together and like create a video game. And so, yeah, I created this, this prototype of a video game, um, that was kind of like, a uh, I guess like a, a, a multiplayer type game where you have four people all playing together. Um, I don't know if you've ever played Super Smash Bros or something like that. I've definitely the, seen clips. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. very similar to very yeah. similar to that, basically, like from the side, and you kind of uh, yeah, just have four people duke it out. Um, and then I got into a state where uh, so in San Francisco, there's a yearly game developers conference. It's in March, and I started working on this game like maybe in 
like December or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so then I tried to like get it ready in time for March and there were a bunch of un- like official and unofficial like after parties for for the game developers conference where indie game d- designers could come and showcase their game. Oh, cool. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my game ready for, <laughs> for this thing. Uh, and uh, I did. I actually got it done in time, brought it to this like random party in San Francisco with my little laptop. Uh, I had a bunch of controllers with me and I had some people play test my game and I felt very accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were about to tell me like, yeah, and then I brought it and then it broke or there are all these bugs or anything like that, but it worked. I mean, there were a out. lot of bugs. There were a lot of bugs, but, but it worked. It worked. Um, yeah. My, my coworkers played it and uh, it was super fun. It was definitely like, okay, I, you know, it's scratched and yeah. Uh, yeah and then that all of that knowledge actually was super helpful as well. Like just, you know, knowing how to, knowing how to code, knowing how to build a game, you know, game design in general, and then 3d modeling and all that, like that stuff all still serves me to this day as a designer as well. You know, it's, it's all pretty helpful. Yeah. I think, uh, this is a very dramatic phrase, but it's one of my favorite phrases. Uh, um, did you study Massimo Vignelli in college? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know his phrase about the spoon in the city? Uh, I'm not sure I'm familiar now. He was like, designers should be able to design from the spoon to the city. Oh. And that's, that. that can be very overwhelming. Because um, yeah. then you're like, well, then I'm not going to be good at anything or, yeah. I don't know, all that kind of stuff. And then I have this other phrase um, I, that I love, which is like a... Um, uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oh, yeah. often better than a master of one. Oh, <laughs> I like that. And so I don't know. There's there's all of this encouragement that like, hey, you don't need to be like so zoned in on one thing all the time. Yeah. Put blinders on to everything else in life. Yeah. Um. So you going off and learning a little bit about uh game design and not not a little bit a lot bit. Um, I'm sure that definitely informs other things. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think there's a point to be made about, you know, with, with, with InDesign, it's definitely, and probably within any career, really, it's definitely good to have a special, a specialization, right. Yeah. Or be known for one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it definitely doesn't hurt to be a generalist. Um, and in fact, more than often, you know, a generalist is an easier hire than a, than a specialized person yeah. at a company. Right. Um, but I think, you know, when I, when I, when I set out to learn game design, I didn't really set out to learn game design because I thought it would help me as a designer. It just happened to actually help me a lot as a designer, yeah. <laughs> but it was mostly just me, you know, being super ADHD and like exploring one of my many hobbies. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that it led to obviously like having fulfilled that need of like, Oh, I really want to make a game. But also on top of that, you know, Oh, it actually helped me in my career. And now I can talk to my coworkers about these different concepts and, you know, how to apply those in design. And so, yeah, it was, um, I could highly, highly encourage people to not be afraid to put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. When, this is just an assumption that I have based on what you're telling me. But um, when you were going to college, was it hard for you to pick a major because you had a bunch of different interests? So, you know, this is the interesting thing about 
the Netherlands, and I think most most countries in Europe. So you actually pick your major before you go to college, mm-hmm. and you pick your college based on the major. So it's like, um, I think in the, in the U.S., if I'm correct, uh, you you basically you pick a college that you really want to go to, and then when you're there, you have like a year or so to decide your major or something like that. Uh, a lot of people are like that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in the Netherlands, it's kind of like you pick a major and then you pick the college that you think will, like, that offers that specific, like, path. Mm. And so um, not every college would have, like, would cater to that major necessarily. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of stick to it. <laughs> You're kind of like, you know, you, and you, I mean, if you, so that first year, you're already, like, fully in that major like you're already doing like the major and all the minors associated to it yeah Um, you do have the option at the end of that year to switch a completely different track but it does mean that you have to restart your entire college experience again so it means like you know you pretty much like you lost a year like that's kind of like the way it works in Netherlands. that's wild yeah i don't it's just yeah i I pretty much have to know yeah you go you go no i was just gonna say i pretty much had to know like instantly or not instantly, I guess, like, but like right before I started college, like I had to be pretty sure that I wanted to do this. But also I felt, I felt like, well, worst case, what happens is, you know, I go and it's not 100% my thing. And maybe I'll know, instead of knowing in a year, I could probably know in like a couple months and then I can always switch. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's really too much pressure on like a 17, 18 year old kid. You know, they put a, a pretty insane amount of pressure on, on, on kids and in, in the Netherlands in general. Um, you know, when you're when you're 12, you you do this test. Um, so at the end of, of your, your middle school, I guess, you do this test, and this test determines what track you kind of fall into in high school. Mm-hmm. So you're either in like one of the more advanced tracks or you're in a more kind of like uh trade-driven track or you know you are, um, yeah, there's like a bunch of different tracks that you kind of fall into. And it is possible to kind of switch in and out of those tracks when you're actually in those, if you really like overperform or underperform. Mm-hmm. But it is very, it's it's very, like for most people in the Netherlands, it's pretty unlikely that they actually switch around a lot. And so it's, you know, you're a 12-year-old kid and you're supposed to like pretty much like, <laughs> like this whole, this this test will pretty much determine your, most of your path, like most of your, um, educational path like going forward which is kind of wild um but i guess like they have similar stuff in the u.s as well right you have to your um it's yeah, not the, nearly the as severe i yeah. can tell you right now <laughs> there's some interesting so yeah but i guess on the plus side like education is very very cheap in the islands so that's sure. that's a nice thing about it <laughs> Um, uh, I think, I think I told you, uh, when we were uh, chatting before the episode that, um, uh, my boyfriend is from the Netherlands and, oh, yeah, um, that's right. yeah. And so, so he's from there and he was telling me about like, uh, gymnasium and yes. yeah. And that's exactly uh, it. the other schools. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. for any, so just the phrase that, that you were explaining is, is called, uh, gymnasium or I'm yep. pronouncing it wrong a hundred percent, but, um, uh, I remember him telling me that, like, half of his class didn't graduate because, yeah. like, you just got weeded out, and that's just yep. what, what happens. And I can't imagine at fifteen having to go to a different school. Yeah, like that wouldn't happen in the U.S. 
Yeah. You'd just be in a different <laughs> class. That's that's so cutthroat and intense. I know. It is. It is. It's definitely. It's. I mean, now in retrospect, it feels so cutthroat. At the time, it was like, yeah. oh yeah, it's normal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the yeah again the, the nice thing about it is that you know there's there's not it's not particularly hard to get in those schools, right? Like in the mm-hmm. U.S., there's the process that I've heard for getting into some of these schools is so so wild and in the netherlands it's mostly just kind of like you know as long as you meet the prerequisites you know you apply and you're good and that's that's pretty much it (laughs) yeah you just have to survive yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) once you're in you really have to yeah i don't know yeah so i um uh, I, i told you that i um went to went to uh, the netherlands for for 10 days um yeah. and while i was there um uh my boyfriend took me to uh, the, his school um mm-hmm. that he went to in high school and i was just walking around this the school in amersfoort and um i just saw all these kids and they, they were like just little 13 14 year old kids and i was just thinking how a lot of these kids like just get weeded out of this school <laughs> it was just such a surreal experience because i was like it wasn't just a story like i was actually there walking these halls and yeah. um i don't know it's just a totally different experience um and also like one thing that i thought was a cultural difference that i thought was interesting was um all of these activities that i had in high school and middle school and everything like that almost all of them were with the um idea that this thing was going to get me into college um and i don't know if that was the case for you but when i talked to him um he said yeah i just did things because i liked them yep yeah (laughs) yeah there's there's um uh yeah i think i think in terms like extracurriculars right yeah um yeah so we i mean we don't really have it in elements like i didn't have to write an essay to get into college yeah Um, i just what i did is like you know two weeks before college started I attended a kind of like a, a demo day for, for that specific major at that specific college. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I like this. This feels good to me. I applied and that was it. And I think, and then, you know, again, like you do, there, there are prerequisites for some majors. So for instance, if you want to, um, if you want to, you know, be like a, a, an economist, you know, economy major or something like yeah. that. Right? Like, I don't know, you want to be a scientist, you know, you, so when you go through high school, there are, you know, depending on the track that you're on, there are different paths that you can kind of choose. So there's like a path, there's like packages, they call them basically. So there's a package that's focused, you know, maybe mostly on languages, right? So it's like, you have like languages and arts history, which is a little bit more like social social studies focused, right? Um, and so, for instance, that's that's the one that I was on, and that one is you know we had uh, we were taught taught uh, Spanish, English, German, French, um, <clears throat> so it's, you know a lot, <laughs> yeah, and <now> like <laughs> art history, and then you can pick and choose like some other classes that you want. So I was really into biology, even that, even though that wasn't part of the package, like I added it to my package because I was really into it, but I really didn't like math, but you know, so like I, I didn't, there was like advanced math and then there was like basic, you know, math. And I was like, just give me basic math. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. And so, 
if you want to do like economy or something like that as your major, you would have to have a package that includes like certain things like you need to have like, you know, advanced math and you need to have like, um, you know, there's like basic economy in like high school and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so that's kind of like the way it works in the Netherlands. Um, that said, if you don't have those things in your package, but you decide like very late on, like, you know, you're, you're about to graduate and you're like, Oh shoot, I really want to go to college for this other thing, even though I don't yeah. have any package. Um, you can still do that major. You just have to do a year where you or a year, like a half a year, basically of catching up on those specific subjects. Mm. Um, so that, so that way you meet those prerequisites. Um, but that's, that's kind of the system or that's the way it worked at least when I graduated. Yeah. I think it's still the same. I might be wrong. Well, it's also what I've noticed is a lot, um, more accepted and a lot more normal to have an extra year tacked on at the end of high school. Um, because of how difficult it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of people in the Netherlands that that tack on an extra year. Um, and honestly, I mean, some people do it because it's really difficult. Other people do it just because they want to travel for a year. There's a lot of people that do that where they just take off a year and they go do something they want to do. Um, I was really eager to get into it though. I was like, I was very close to taking off a year because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I was like, maybe I'll just take that year, like go design some websites, you know, get, get paid some money for it. And then very late, I was like, oh, actually there's this major that perfectly encapsulates what I want to do. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. What was it like for you? Um, when your friend told you about that major? So this was someone that I was a year ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, you know, he graduated before me and I hadn't really talked to him in a while, but I knew that he was like, he had a very similar interest to me. He was also like really into like, you know, he was, he was more of like a, an engineer than Mm -hmm. a designer, but you know, very much like, oh, like, you know, building websites and everything like that. And so, yeah, I like, I reconnected with him during break after graduating. And cause I knew that he was doing something with like engineering or websites or something like that. And so he then told me all about this major and I was like, wait, so this major is not just like programming. It's like also design. It's also like this and that. I was like, yes, this is a, this would be perfect for you. So that's, that's really kind of how it went. And it was like, like I said, it was like three weeks before college was supposed to start. And then I very quickly like signed up for the demo day, um, that same day probably. And then, you know, that's kind of how that, how that spawned. Was what you thought it was going to be like the same as what it was like to actually experience it in college? Yeah, I think there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of overlap there. What I guess like what was interesting is like, so I didn't really know the reason, reason I was having such a hard time, like finding that major was because I didn't really know like how to translate my skills or the thing that I was interested in into something practical. Like I didn't really know that there was an entire profession of UX design. Um, I didn't really know that there were people that do web design for like a professional living, you yeah. know, or like that there's, I knew that there were advertising agencies. And so it's like, okay, well, how do I, do I get into advertising? Like, am I going to become like an admin or something like that? Um, yeah, I wasn't really sure about like what it, what it actually, what I could actually do with this. Um, 
And so when I kind of found out about that major, I was like, oh, okay, that's very interesting. That very much aligns with what I think I want to do. And then when it started, I was like, yeah, like, like it's it's almost like a whole world kind of opened up to me. I was like, oh, there's there's these design agencies and I can do an internship at one of these design agencies. That's amazing. I can work on some of my favorite things out there, um, you know, make websites for these companies. Like, that's awesome. Uh, and yeah, I really learned a lot about, um, so what was so cool about this major and this school in particular was the, the building that it was, uh, yeah, the building that the major took place in basically was this like, this is all in Rotterdam, um, which I don't know if you've, if you've been to, but it's just like, it's a pretty cool historic city. And it was, it was bombed during the second world war and a lot of the city was destroyed, but parts of the city were st like still remained. And so there's this really in interesting juxtaposition between modern and, and old in the city where you have these like this crazy architecture that's just wildly modern and very like, you know, provoking, you know, sitting right next to like a super old uh, canal house or something like that. Right. Um, and so this building that it was in was like one of these historic buildings that actually was spared by the bombings. Um, but it was turned into this modern thing inside at this like really modern atrium and everything. Uh, it was a really cool building. And, uh, every room was like, had a different purpose. So there was like a photography room. Um, there was like a media room, there was like a music room and everything. So as a creative for me, it was like perfect. Cause I just got to go into all these rooms and just, you know, figure out like, Oh, is photography something for me? Like, I don't know. We'll see. Is like videography something for me. They had like these amazing, amazing cinema cameras and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Get where I'm going with this, but <laughs> yeah, no, like it, there's, there's what you're saying is like what you were expecting it to be versus like what it was like to actually live it. You went yeah, from exactly. like somebody saying, "Hey, this thing you might like," to like walking into. I'm just imagining it right now as you're walking in and seeing all these different yeah. options for you. Yeah, it was just really, it was just really eye opening, and it was really kind of like, oh, this is so cool. And I felt, I felt at home. I felt like, oh, I finally know. I'm finally with my people, you know, I found, yeah. <clears throat> I finally found something that, um, that really interests me and that I'm super, super excited to learn more about. And the thing is, you know, I, I was not necessarily a good student in high school, even though I was in terms of like the, the track of class, like I was pretty advanced, um, which I think, you know, I was, I was struggling every day to like maintain my position there, but like <clears throat> through the particular package that I took, of like languages and arts history, like that was enough to like keep me engaged. But mm -hmm. even then I was like not super excited about all those classes and everything. And then the moment that I started college, I was like, oh, well, this is super interesting to me. And, you know, I wanted to be there and I wanted to like work hard and, you know, I wanted to ace all my classes, like every single one. And so, yeah, it just really opened up my eyes. Like, oh, okay, like this is what it took. You know, it's it just took something that is that actually spoke to my interest to really um, get me to learn some some concepts that um, that that I may not you know have learned before or may not have wanted to learn before. I know, similar to like to bring it back to like the game design stuff, right? Like, math was never interesting to me because 
I could never see a use case for me where I would want to, where I, I would need to calculate, you know, a triangle or like, you know, the, <laughs> like the longest side of a triangle or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm like, when, when in real life, am I, am I going to use that? Just, there's no use to it for me. Um, and it wasn't exciting to me. And I couldn't, couldn't actually force myself to sit down and learn. And when I took a, or when I wanted to like learn how to build games because I was so passionate about it, at some point I had to learn some math because I had this problem that I was like facing. And I was like, I really, what I need to do is like, I have this little person over here and I have this little person over here. And then there's this point over here. So I was like, how do I, how do I, how do I, connect, how do I calculate like what the center of these people is? Cause that's what I need for this game to succeed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So this is where I need math. So this is triangulation. Okay, got it. And so that's what what it took for me to actually be like, now I want to learn. Like now I actually am super interested in learning this particular piece of math. Um, and so then I just like took like a math course online and and you know learn it all. And I was very like, you know, I was actually excited about it. And I was actually good at it. So um yeah, I guess like my my point is like, you know, the moment that I discovered something that really excited me and that I could actually see a use case for. And so my eyes kind of like started opening up and really, um, you know, being super eager to learn. And yeah, I think that's, that's been like a pretty common theme in most of my adult life. It's like, I am very eager to learn, even though as a student, I thought I wasn't, you know, especially in high school, I, I was hated, hated school, hated learning. But now, you know, it's like, I love to learn because I actually get to pick and choose what I want to learn. That's an interesting thing that I hear quite often, um, just in life, where people talk about like, you know, when I was forced to learn all of this stuff that I wasn't particularly interested in, like, I felt like maybe I'm just not somebody that likes learning things. Yes. I thought that like, maybe there was something, and I've felt this at times, I thought maybe there's something wrong with me or like, like, maybe it's me. And then a lot yeah. of times it's just the subject. One hundred percent, you know. And you know, when I was when I was younger, you know, I was di- diagnosed with ADD, and I just blamed all of my, you know, my 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 school experience on that. Like I was like, I can I can learn if I if I really really put my mind to it, but I hate it, and I just feel like it's really hard, and I feel like I'm struggling with it, and. Uh, you know, I tell my teachers and they try and like work around it, but I feel like they don't really understand why I'm not picking up on these things. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just a bad student. Maybe I just can't do this, man. And, you know, I would blame my ADD. I would blame, you know, me just being a bad student and everything. And now it's like, <clears throat> you know, I, you know, for some of my hobbies, I would have to learn pretty, you know, pretty difficult, you know, complicated concepts. And mm-hmm it's honestly, I'm not, I'm not having any problems with it. Like I can easily sit down and actually my ADD helps because, you know, I'm, I'm tunnel vision into it and I could just sit down for like five hours because I'm fascinated by a subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I would, you know, I would say like, if you're, if you're feeling, if you're feeling like you're a bad student because you're, you're just unable to like concentrate or you're a- unable to put yourself to it, it's just, Maybe you're not a bad student. Maybe you're not a bad learner. You're just not learning something that you actually are really passionate or excited about. Absolutely. Do you remember what age you were when 
that frustration was kind of at its height? Yeah. Um, So, interestingly enough, um, I was like, I was pretty young at the time. I was like 11 or 12, about to graduate from my middle school and about Mm -hmm. to take that test that would determine, you know, my placement in high school. And I had already subjected myself to like, like a fate of like, oh, like, well, I'm probably going to be like low stress because I'm probably not going to nail this test. Um, and there's no, you can't really prepare for the test. Like, you know, there's some subjects that you can kind of read up on and everything, but it's mostly just like a, you know, pretty, pretty basic, like placement test, right? Pretty generic. Um, and also what I, what I did is like, I just went up to my teacher. It was like, Hey, like for this test, like, I think I'm just going to be really distracted the whole time. Like, can you just place me? in a room by myself so without any distractions <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know i'm feeling i'm feeling really frustrated i feel like i am constantly yeah i'm constantly getting distracted by everything and everyone and i feel like there's a lot of pressure when i'm surrounded by all these people that i feel like are so much smarter than i am um so yeah is that something that you can do you know given like my situation like add blah blah blah. like yeah sure we can do that and so they placed me in this room by myself and I just sat there for like, you know, two and a half hours or however long the, t- the test took. And by the end, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this test. I feel like maybe I did okay. Maybe I didn't. And then I got one of the highest scores in, in the entire grade. And so, you know, afterwards, and that, that kind of made me feel like, you know, it was this moment of like, frust- like deep frustration because... I felt like I just wasn't learning. I just felt like I wasn't progressing mm-hmm. or I just couldn't grasp like some of these concepts or I was just that student. And then that moment gave me so much kind of like vindication of like, well, no, actually, you know, I can do it. I just have to do it my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and I'm not a bad student. I, I can be a good student. And I think, you know, again, like I was, I was placed pretty highly in high school. And I definitely struggled to like keep my place in that track, but I did it because every day I would tell myself like, well, I'm not a bad student. I can actually, I can do this. I just, cause I obviously proved, you know, I've, I've proven it to myself that I can do it. I uh, just got to keep up with it. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of forced myself through it. And, you know, um, yeah, that's kind of how I, <laughs> that, that's, that, that was probably like my peak moment of frustration. And, uh, and there were many moments of frustration throughout high school. But the frustration really stopped, like, at college. Like, once I found my my thing, that really, you know, I really turned it around. Aside from from school and things that were tested and measured and things like that, um, what kind of kid were you at that age when you took that test? Like, outside of school, like, what kind of things did you like? Such a brat. Um, <laughs> Why do you say brat? Such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Cause I was like, cause, to cause who? I, huh? to, who? Oh, to my parents, <laughs> to, uh, to my sister, um, <clears throat> to my friends. No, I think, I think, I mean, I was, I was just like, you know, I was like most, most 12 year old boys. Like I was just, you know, a little bit annoying, uh, very hyperactive, extremely hyperactive. Um, but yeah, very easily distracted, but also like, you know, constantly, um, like I found, I found like, I found like my solace in like, 
you know, being on a computer. Not necessarily, I mean, I played video games, but not necessarily, it wasn't really about video games for me. It was just like, I just really like being on a computer and just like, you know, playing with technology and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I built my own um, website, you know, my very first website using um, this tool, Netscape Fusion, which was like one of the oh, first. really? <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the first kind of like, you know, what you see is what you get kind of like website builders. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have to know like a little bit of code for it, but it wasn't really like that much. And so, yeah, I think it was like 12 or 11, even maybe like I was really young when I, when I used that. Um, and I would just build like websites for myself all day. And I would have like my own little website. I would ask my dad to like, you know, have me like have, have it be hosted on like his website with like a slash Edwin. So that I could like access it and like, you know, I would, um, I would maintain it like on a basis. I was like super, um, yeah, super obsessed with that. And like, so it started pretty early on. Um, but that that's the kind of kid that I was like, just like, you know, a troublemaker, but then you put me in front of a computer. I'm just like super docile. I'm just like completely, you know, I'm like a nice kid. <laughs> yeah. So like when, um, uh, when you were bored, that's when you were, uh, a bit annoying to your sister. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you weren't day, bored, still, if you were, like, when I'm, when I'm bored, my fiance will just be, you know, trying to hide across the house because she knows that if I find her, I'm going to annoy her. Um, but yeah, you know, typical brother behavior for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I, I do so many comparisons between different points in, in life. So if it's, it's annoying, just let me know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that works. Um, I'm curious about like that, that version of you um, that you're telling me about right now. Um, uh, around like, like that 12, 13 age, um, can you compare that to like you when you were graduating college? Um, cause I'm sure that those are two totally different points in your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that for, you know, for me, there's probably like, there's, there's, <clears throat> there's three distinct like growth moments in my life. You know, if I'm comparing between like you know, what I was like at 12 years old versus like what I was like when I graduated. Yeah. Uh, high school versus like what I was like when I graduated college. Um, you know, I think so starting with like 12 and when I graduated high school, I think when I graduated high school, I, I, had, I had a lot more confidence in my abilities. Mm -hmm. I had a lot more confidence in, you know, that I could actually do something that I was good at. Um, because I was, you know, I always had a, you know, this habit of comparing myself to every other person around me. And, you know, in high school, every other person around me in my, in my grade, you know, these are all the people that are like top placement, right? So they're mm -hmm. incredibly smart. I'm talking like these people are now like scientists and like econometrists and mm -hmm. just absolutely super accomplished people. Um, and so not to say I'm not accomplished, but, <laughs> but, you know, but in, in different ways. Um, and so, you know, my barometer for like what I kind of consider to be like smart or like driven or like successful, you know, was, was really high because, you know, again, like these people are like the best of the best. Yeah. And so I constantly felt like, um, 
yeah, I, I constantly felt like I was like chasing this like idea of myself, like, oh, well, I have to, I have to be smart, but I feel like I'm not smart. Um, and I just, I wasn't really, I wasn't super confident. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. This is part of the reason why I wanted to be a lawyer, because I was like, well, I'm in this class with all these accomplished people. Like I can't be an artist. That's silly. Like I need mm. to be a lawyer. I need to be a criminologist. You know, I need to be a detective or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, when I graduated, when I was 18, I felt a lot more clear. I felt relieved. First of all, I felt very relieved. I felt like, okay, now I finally found this like purpose in life that felt like a solid like path. Like I could see, I could see what the next 10 years of my life were going to look like rather than like, you know, only being able to like think a year ahead. Yeah. Um, but I was still, I would say like in terms of like personality, I think I was very immature still. Um, and uh, then when I graduated from college, um, you know, this was like, I, I felt like almost like, um, so when I, when I was 18, like right before I, I, I went off to college, like I couldn't really imagine like my life being, you know, like being away from my parents, being away from my friends. Like I, I thought like the friends that I'd made, you know, and that I was going to make in college were going to be like my friends for life. And I was just going to stay in the Netherlands. I was going to do my whole thing there. And then when I went through college, like that really started opening my eyes. Like my first internship was in year three. And it was at this company that I had, you know, this design agency that I had, had admired for the entire time that I was in college that I never thought I was going to be able to get a job at or like an internship at. And somehow I was able to do it. And that then in turn gave me a lot of confidence and drive and motivation to be like, well, if I can do that, like who knows what I could potentially pull off. And so in year four, uh, for our last internship, I decided that I was going to set the goal for myself to do an internship in New York. Mm -hmm. Like, cause why not? Uh, and so I sent, I must've sent up like maybe like a hundred different internship applications to uh, so many different agencies in New York and a bunch in Europe, a bunch in London, but I really set my like eyes, like or my sight on, on New York for some reason. I don't know why I was just so obsessed with it. Um, and a few of them got back to me and then, um, yeah, one of them, RJ offered to pretty much like, you know, sponsor my visa and, and all that kind wow. of stuff. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, they didn't pay very well, <laughs> but you know, that's whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's an internship. Um, so, you know, I had to take out some loans and everything, but it was definitely, um, that was like probably one of the most like defining moments <clears throat> in, in my early my early adulthood mm -hmm. uh, because once so after that once I graduated college I finally felt like oh like I really have a lot of purpose in life right now I have so much drive and motivation um and then I actually uh so I, I I got this job offer from the first internship that I went to uh the one in the Netherlands and after college and even though I was so excited about it I turned it down because I felt like I needed to take a year to really um, discover what I wanted to do. And, you know, maybe I wanted to freelance. Maybe I wanted to like go back to New York. Maybe I wanted to do something completely different. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to just freelance for that year after I, after I graduated. Um, and yeah, I guess like just really, that was like a super good opportunity to really grow and kind of take some time for myself um, and understand what I really wanted in life. And then 
you know, I reflected on everything before and decided that I wasn't super happy, um, you know, being where I was. I, you know, at the, at the time I was in this relationship that started before, um, like right before college. So, you know, it was like a four or five year long relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love my parents. I love my sister. I love my friends. And I did really, I do really love the Netflix, but I also just felt like, um, um, I guess like, what's the right word for it? Like restless, you know, mm-hmm. like I felt like I just, there was something missing or there was something like I was not 100% fulfilled. I was not really, I could, I had a hard time like picturing the rest of my life, like being in that, you know, where I was. Um, you were like slowly admitting that this wasn't the place for you forever. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And, and I didn't, and it was kind of hard because I didn't really know what I wanted. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I needed to kind of like do something drastic. And so um, I started freelancing for this company in San Francisco from the Netherlands. And I did that for like a few months or like half a year or so. And at a certain point they were like, Hey, um, we want to fly you over to San Francisco for three months, like get you working on uh, this like big client, Google. Um, it was a really exciting project. I was like, sure. That, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, my then girlfriend at the time, I told her like, Hey, I'm going to go to San Francisco. And, you know, we were also, you know, when I went to New York, like, <laughs> you know, we were also together and I was in New York for like five months. So it was pretty, it was a pretty hard conversation, but you know, she understood. And then when I moved to, um, or then when I went to San Francisco for three months, at the end of that time, this other startup actually reached out to me in San Francisco and they were like, Hey, we're looking for a designer. We saw that you're in the city right now. Would you be interested in coming in and having a conversation with us? And so I did. Uh, and then they offered me a job. And they were offering to like sponsor my visa and everything. Wow. <laughs> and so at that point, I was like, you know, just to kind of like the delta between, you know, when I, who I was at 12 years old, just absolutely feeling super um, uh, like just feeling like I was constantly the dumbest person in the room or like the, or like the most um, or the least driven person in the room, like, you know, at least motivated, or I didn't really know what I wanted to do, like aimless to, you know, who I was at 18 years old, like feeling more confident, but still not, you know, not quite knowing exactly what I wanted to get out of life to that moment, feeling like, no, no other decision has ever felt more right. Wow. Um, and so I think I just like in that, 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 you know, that one, that one moment really was like a huge moment of growth for me. It was also really hard. Like I had to come to terms with the fact that, well, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to leave my family behind I'm going to leave my friends behind. You know, we, you know, me and my girlfriend at the time, like try to make it work really didn't work. <laughs> But also yeah. discovered, like, you know, we were just two different people at that point in time. So, you know, totally, totally made sense. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's kind of like how, how I look at that whole period of, of time in my life, right? Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of growth, but most of the growth happened in that one moment, I would say. Like, that's like the biggest delta, really, between who I was back then and, and who I am now. What would you say to another guy in that same position who's going through it, like, right now? Is there anything that you would even say to that kid? Um, I mean, 
you know, I would say like it was the best decision that I ever made. Also the hardest decision that I ever made, but yeah. no hard decision. But like, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's this, there's, there's, um, there's this interesting picture that I saw that was basically like a, a graph that goes, you know, like a, like a, a straight line that goes, um, you know, from zero to hundred or from left to right, up, right. And, uh, and the basic, the basic thing behind that is like, you make one really hard decision, mm-hmm. but it will lead to an easier life versus making a bunch of like easier decisions over a longer span of time that will ultimately actually end up overcomplicating your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I would say to anyone that's in that position, it's like, it is, if you feel like this is the right thing to do, then it's worth it to make that decision. Right. Like it will be hard and it's not, you know, nothing, nothing in life that's good is like easy. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was 100% the right decision. And I, you know, I miss my parents and I, I do miss my friends in the Netherlands, but I also, you know, I've been here now for, you know, seven or eight years and I constantly look back and say like, that, you know, this is the best decision that I've ever made. Yeah. And you know, so I'm happy that- here, like I'm driven, like I know, you know, I, um, I feel like content, like, and I feel like I couldn't be any other place. And to, to compare from when you were before, like not really quite sure what you wanted to do and knowing that just something wasn't right. How does it feel to like hear yourself saying like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. Yeah. I mean, that feels really good. Right. Like it's like, um, just, just knowing that I have full confidence and I've, I've achieved, I've achieved like what I've, what I wanted to achieve. Right. Like I found. I found a thing that I needed to do in order to feel at ease and in order to feel good. Um, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe there's like a, maybe there's like a, a subconscious thing of like need, needing to prove to myself and maybe to others as well. Right. Probably mm-hmm. to others that like, Oh, see, like I, I could do this. Like I could make it far. Like I could be accomplished and I'm, you know, I, uh, even though I'm, you know, at the time I felt like constantly, like I was, um, you know, the, I guess like the, the least accomplished person in the room or like, I was never going to amount too much or anything like that. Like, you know, it's like, look at me now. Like I've, I feel like I've, you know, I got there in the end, um, you know, and I made it happen. And so, yeah, I mean, it feels great. <laughs> You know, and and I think I think the most the most important thing of, of that is that you know I feel like my journey isn't complete yet, but I feel like I'm on the right track, and I think that's the most you know that feels really good to know to 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 be able to to know that you know your whatever your whatever step I'm on like it's a step towards where I actually need to be, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not deviating from the path. Exactly. Even sometimes when, when there's something that you want to do, but you know that it's going to take a while and it's not going to happen overnight, sometimes it's just so calming to just know, well, I'm a little bit closer today than I was yesterday. Yeah. And eventually, <clears throat> maybe like in a couple of years or in a couple of months, I'll be there. But I mean, the, sometimes just being in the right direction, doing the things to take that takes you to that thing 
helps you calm down feeling like you're not in the right place right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that experience for you, that really hard decision was, you said about six or seven years ago? Um, yeah, that was, uh, 2015. Yeah. Um, so yeah, eight years ago. Um, so I went through, um, something somewhat similar, actually exactly a year ago. Um, and the weird thing about, about my life is that, um, uh, I record myself on a regular basis. So Mm -hmm. I actually did an episode just myself Mm -hmm. talking about, um, uh, quitting a job that uh, I didn't feel like I was fully happy in and um, not really quite sure what was going to happen next, but going and doing it anyway. Um, and also ending a relationship that was actually the same length of time as the one mm-hmm. that you're talking about. And um, all of these different aspects of my life weren't right. And I had to go and fix it. And I was actually talking with one of my friends yesterday, Max, um, and he's a guy who's really big into notion. Um mm-hmm. And so he does all of these advanced workspaces for people, but like, he's so passionate about it that it like bleeds into life as well. And he was mm-hmm. saying that, um, they're not like when it comes to a product, like they're not just the details, the details are the product. And mm-hmm. he was telling me how he feels that same way about life. Um, yeah. that the, the details in life make up you. So like all of these different decisions in life, all these different things make up your life. And so it was just so, this works perfectly what we were talking about because um, after the episode, he listened to that old episode um, from a year ago. And I didn't tell him to do that. He just found it on his own. Um, And then I re-listened to it. And it's just so wild to, to exactly a year ago, I was in that wild, weird situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And hearing you talk about that, um, I relate to that heavily. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's great. I'm 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 glad to hear that you relate to it. Um, what you know, I guess like to turn a question on you. Know, what would what have what would you have told yourself a year ago, knowing now what you know? Um, it's so weird because when you re-listen to an episode of yourself, sometimes you forget the things that you said at the time. And I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to record it. Cause I was like, yeah. listen, you're in this situation. Like when you feel stuck or when you feel lost, like just re-listen to this. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like listening to another person talk to you. Um, <laughs> and so you can kind of, that also helps you with empathy for yourself too. Um, yeah. Being able to think of who you were before as a different person. Cause really it is. Um, so I don't know what I would say to her. I would, uh, she was very concerned over whether or not she was going to, um, uh, find a job that she was going to really like. Um, that was very scary. She's also very scared of like doing a lot of things alone. Um, and, uh, she also didn't know what life had in store for her, or, like where she was going to live. Cause now she didn't have any ties to this particular city anymore. Um, so there was a lot of that. And I think that after a year of just living that, um, I'd probably say that like being independent isn't this big, scary thing and you can totally do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you have a bunch of friends in your world that care about you. And actually how I got this job was just like being super friendly and making a YouTube video about how much I really liked the product. And then they, they hired me after that and be like, Oh, you seem passionate. Like, why don't you come here? (laughs) 
And um, uh, I ended up being okay. But yeah, that was the big thing I was concerned about. I was just concerned about um, if I was going to be okay or not. So I'd probably just tell her that she's going to be okay. Yeah, I love that. It's <laughs> great. It's, it's good to be able to tell yourself everything's going to be okay sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes uh, people say, like, what would you have said to yourself at that certain point? And yeah, I, I wouldn't want to, ch- that's why I say you can't change anything in the past because yeah. I think that a lot of things happen for a reason and you're like a sum of your experiences. So I wouldn't want to change who I am or anything yeah. like that. But um, uh, a lot of times, just a little bit of reassurance, I don't think would have um, yeah. hurt me. <laughs> I think, I think that's key, honestly. And I think, you know, that's why, that's why I said like, no, you know, no, you know, no, no decision in your life that's really going to impact or like positively, or I guess like greatly impact your life is going to be like an easy decision. Yeah. Um, but also things will be okay. Right. Like the decision to, you know, leave a current job or to, you know, leave a, uh, leave a, a relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Things, things might not even be bad, but they also might not be great or yeah. they might not be right for you. Um, and being able to make that decision knowing it's hard, but also knowing that there's another side, you know, or yeah, there, I guess there, there is, you know, another side to it, or there's, you know, there's a, there's an end in sight, yeah. I think is really important. And, um, it's also like having the more I do it, the more I make those decisions, the easier it becomes and the easier it is to tell myself everything will be all right, because look at the past, you know, yeah. um, <clears throat> And, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's how I've been living my life. <laughs> um, not to say that I make snap decisions or anything like that. Like I, I typically don't make huge decisions anymore because I mm-hmm. front loaded a lot of that. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's just important to like, listen to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and really, really listen to yourself and not just think, well, but this job is really secure and it really works well. Yeah. You know, I ask myself too, like every, every now and then, you know, am I, am I really happy at Airbnb or am I just content? Yeah. And I think it's very important to ask yourself that question. Like any, at any point in your career, right? like, are you really happy with where you're at or are you content with where you're at? Like, do you wake up, you know, obviously we're not, we're not going to wake up excited for our jobs every single day, but like, do you wake up, you know, you know, or I guess like, are you excited when, you know, your manager tells you you're going to work on this cool new project or are you excited to tell your friends about where you work, you mm-hmm. know, and what you're working on? Um, do you believe in what you're working on? Do you believe in a mission? Right. I think it's very important to get satisfaction out of that. And it's also very important to feel challenged by your job. And to feel mm-hmm. challenged by what you do in life. Um, and you should feel like you're constantly progressing, right? Like you're, like I said, like you, you should feel like, you know, you might not be where, you know, you might not be where you want to be yet, mm-hmm. right? But are you on the right path? And as long as you're on the right path, and as long as you're feeling like you have that positive momentum going on, then that's great. And the moment that you feel like you don't, the moment that you feel like you're maybe stagnating, 
I think it's very important to like take a hard look at yourself and say like, well, maybe it's time for a change. Yeah. Have you felt that in your life and and done those kind of checks since that big decision to like come to, come to the U.S. and like make this your new life? Definitely. Um, so, you know, when I was working, so when I initially came to San Francisco and I was offered that job at the startup, yeah. um, you know, that was a pretty hard decision, obviously. Um, and I worked at that startup for about two years and I was deeply unhappy. Uh, really? I, I didn't really, I, I felt like I didn't deserve to be unhappy because here I am with this amazing opportunity and I'm working, mm-hmm. you know, in San Francisco for, for a cool startup uh, and I'm making pretty good money and I'm living a really good life, but I felt super unhappy at my job. I didn't feel like that during the first year, but definitely towards yeah. like the second year, it's just so many different circumstances led to that kind of, to me kind of feeling that way. Um, and so I knew it was going to be time for change, but I was also in a really tricky position where, you know, I was on a visa. And so it's like, shoot, like, what do I do? Like, I, I can't really, I can't really quit because mm-hmm. if I quit, like my visa becomes invalid and I have to move back home. And I know that moving here was the right decision for me, but also yeah. I'm unhappy with my work. And so I kind of just like, you know, I, I was there for another year where it just kind of felt like, you know, maybe, maybe there's ways that I can get really excited about this job. Like, what if I pitch this like idea to my CEO and like, you know, maybe we get to work on something really fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried that and it worked a little bit, but then at a certain point to see, or the, the company was running out of money. And so we, we were looking to get Aqua hired <clears throat> and we spoke to a bunch of different companies spoke to Uber, we spoke to Airbnb, we spoke to Facebook and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of smaller ones. Um, and ultimately, you know, this is kind of like that, that's, you know, I, I went to Airbnb to interview there and I just felt so like, you know, oh my God, I want to work at this place. I love these people. They really mm-hmm. treated me as like their guest um, and just got really good feelings from, from the whole thing. Right. And then <clears throat> We, you know, we went to Uber and interviewed there and Uber, I mean, there were lovely people, but I, you know, it was just night and day for me of like what company felt right to me yep. um, and what really excited me the most. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, the, so the CEO ended up basically wanting us to do an acquire with Uber. Mm-hmm. And I was in that position where I'm like, I feel like I really have to listen to my gut. I can't do it, even though it's going to be the easiest path here. Like I can't do it, and so luckily I was able to work with Airbnb, and they were able to to get me like um, to do like a solo hire with them. They were able to take over the visa and everything. Wow! Um, so I, I really lucked out with that, you know. And I think at a lot of points in my life, I think it's very important to acknowledge that I've been very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, it's it, not everyone can make those kinds of decisions, and I was in very fortunate like places where I could make those decisions. Mm-hmm. But um that was another point where, you know, I've really felt like I just need to listen to myself and like what's right for me. Um and so luckily I was able to work that out. And it was a hard process. <laughs> you know, like it was definitely got kind of tricky at some points. Um especially with like, you know, the visa system and everything. It's just so 
you know, everyone that has to deal with or that has dealt with it knows, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's, it's honestly kind of hell. Um, but now I'm on the other side of it and you know, I've got my green card. So I'm like, at least I'm like relieved. I'm at least I'm like, okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. You can um, breathe for a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but ever since then, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I've, I've been at Airbnb for, for six years now. I felt really, you know, I feel really happy. And mm-hmm. of course there are moments where I kind of feel like, you know, am I happy or am I content, but I also still feel challenged by my work. And yeah. you know, what's so great about Airbnb is that everyone is, you know, all the managers that I've had at Airbnb have been so <clears throat> open to like, you know, helping me feel challenged in, in ways that, you know, when I come to them, I say like, Hey, I feel like I'm not learning as much as I want to, or I feel like I'm not really being challenged in the work I do. Yeah. I would really like to become a manager at some point. Like, how do I, you know, how do I get an opportunity to manage people? You know, they're, they're super, they're always so eager to help and mm-hmm. to create opportunities to make that happen. And so the few times at Airbnb where I felt like maybe, you know, I was slipping into that content versus like happy state yeah. are moments that were very quickly remedied by just talking to my manager, talking to some other people and just yeah. you know, making a shift, like either moving to a new team or taking on a new position, getting promoted. Um, and, or just like, you know, putting together like my own initiatives. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really, I, I, yeah, I don't think there have been any really major decisions that I've had to make in my life that, until this point. I don't know, obviously, like proposing to my girlfriend, but that was a very, very easy decision. Those <laughs> that, was probably, that was probably the easiest, <laughs> easiest decision I've ever had to make that had that made the biggest impact on my life. So <laughs> your engagement photos are adorable, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> and really and I don't those. know. That, that smile on her face was like so genuine and authentic. Yeah. It was just such a beautiful moment. I'm glad your friend was there to be able to take photos for you. Yeah, I was super, super happy with that too. Yeah. Um, I, just to, to wrap up on this one topic, um, uh, when you're talking about like the, the real effect that it has on your life to work somewhere where you are passionate about it and other people care about you and they also care that that you'd be a good person to add to their um dynamic when i was interviewing at zipcar like it was i think it was probably like a six month process from the time i first Mm -hmm. made that youtube video to chatting with people um to uh actually i i went through like eight rounds of interviews to see if i was like the right um like if like between skills and personality and like collaboration and things like that um like i was so extremely vetted and I didn't really understand why I was in this many interviews until I actually got in there. And I saw that like, just the people that I'm, that I'm working with are so easy to work with. Mm. And um, when I express things that I want to work on, um, it's, it's like taken seriously. And they're like, okay, well, well, how do we get you into more in-app things? Or mm. um, how do we do this? Like, are you happy with the team that we've assigned you to? Um, and I don't know, it just, it, I think my friends can even notice that it made a really big impact on just like how happy I am around people. Cause it's so much of your day. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you work remotely? Yeah, yeah. So I feel I I like you still to... have that that kind of connection with people. You've oh, you've yeah. worked there for a year now. Uh, I've worked there for about seven months. Okay, okay. So it's been yeah. fully remote since you since you started. Yeah. So I I live in Philadelphia, and my whole team is in, is in Boston. Mm. Um, and they hired me knew, knowing that I lived in a different city and did not care. Um, and I don't know, the dynamic is, is really, really nice. Like we've done some stuff in person. I would fly up to Boston and uh, see them for a bit. Um, but yeah, the dynamic is just really nice. And I don't know, I just, there's so much trust and so much respect. Um, mm-hmm. and I, so far it's just been like the best place I've ever worked. Um, so when you're just talking about, um, that dynamic and, uh, that environment um again heavily relate <laughs> to feeling like uh, so relaxed and um uh happy I-, I haven't felt content yet um but if i that's do fair. i'll let my boss know <laughs> yeah, that's, great. I think that's a good a good uh self-check though right i'm definitely yeah. gonna take that with me <laughs> i mean i think yeah i think you know there's obviously discontent and then there's like unhappy and i think yeah I think it's a very obvious decision or it should be an obvious decision if you're feeling unhappy. Um, but content is also something that I think, you know, and I see this all the time, like uh, at Airbnb too, like there's coworkers of mine. I can just tell, like, I feel like you are not feeling challenged. And, and sometimes I have conversations with them about it. I'm like, you know, they could be okay with that, you know, could be totally fine. Like maybe, doesn't mean that they're checked out. doesn't mean that they're not working hard, right? Like they're all, everyone, everyone in every meet is a really hard worker and like, you know, everyone's so incredibly talented, mm-hmm. but you know, there's obviously, you know, there's, there's just people that maybe feel like, you know, maybe they haven't gotten promoted in a while or like maybe they don't care to get promoted. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there are, I, I see designers that don't really want to manage people. They don't mm-hmm. run it they don't really want to be responsible for like, you know, an entire, entire flow consisting of like, you know, multiple different projects or anything. They just want to work on, on one thing and just be good at that one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's totally fine. And then there's other people that maybe do that because they've just gotten into this kind of lull. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to kind of stop and recognize like, well, you know, is that what you truly want? Like, are you, are you really, I guess like, yeah, it's like, are you happy? Are you feeling fulfilled in your work? Um, or do you feel like maybe you're not quite as fulfilled in your work and, you know, you you think you're okay with it, but maybe you're not. Like maybe what you just actually need is a bit of a challenge or maybe you need something new to work on to mm-hmm. reinvigorate that kind of feeling, right? Um, yeah. And then also like, <clears throat> you know, for me, I, you know, when I, when I first started designing, I tried to get all of my fulfillment out of my work, not just for like, you know, work part of it, but just like my entire life fulfillment was like, I'm a designer. That's my identity. Like I get all my fulfillment out of my work and I want to work on only the coolest projects and every single thing that I design has to be absolutely amazing. And I'm going to fight every single person that dares like critique it because or like tries to like pull it apart or like tries, tries to make it less cool because if this is going to go out the door, it's going to have my name on it. Like, and I want to be proud of it, you know? And, um, 
And that's fine, you know, that's <laughs> but that's also kind of like, you know, being you're kind of you're not uh you're not being a good coworker necessarily, you're not being like a mm-hmm. collaborative partner. And, and and on top of that, you're, you know, I think that stifles uh, stifles a lot of growth in in some ways. Like obviously, you know, you're you're maybe becoming a better pixel pusher, but you're not necessarily growing as like a designer or like a partner, right? Yep. Um and so for me, it was like, you know, now I feel like, you know, work is work. And like, I, I still feel passionate about what I do. And I still want to make really cool stuff. But also, I recognize that it's, you know, it's not just me in the room, right? Like, there's an entire team of engineers and writers and product managers and localization experts and accessibility experts that all weigh mm-hmm. on, in on this project that goes out to millions of people. And people's livelihoods, like, you know, depend on, on this and depend on like how well designed this is and like, you know, how, how thought through the UX is and everything like that. And so it's really, it's more about like, you know, working together to make a really good product that consists of compromises, that consists of maybe different approaches than you would have liked to have. But, you know, putting your kind of like ego aside um, and being able to just allow yourself as a designer to be a conduit, right? Rather than like a singular force that is making all the like decisions and making everyone's life harder. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, um, and so for me, it's like, you know, I'm so passionate about that. But what I, when I really think about, you know, maximizing my creative potential. I don't try to extrapolate that through work. I try to like get that from my, you know, from, from my own hobbies. Right. And so, and it doesn't have to be design anymore. Like I figured out that I'm a creative and I like doing creative things, even if I'm not particularly good at drawing or like, you know, those kinds of things, you know, there's, there's other things that, that I find really fun and interesting to do. And, you know, Maybe I, I might not necessarily be super excited to like design a website um, uh, outside of work, right? Mm-hmm. But I like I like playing around with like you know Photoshop still, and like I like uh, you know making album covers, and I like making some logos for like a friend's company that that they're working on, or you know I like seeking out other creative endeavors like making music and you know photography and videography. You know, mm-hmm. and those things like kind of like that keeps that keeps me really happy, and then in mm-hmm. turn keeps me fulfilled with my work as well. Because my work doesn't have to be about being my singular creative outlet anymore. Yep. And and also, I'm curious about how that version of you um, that uh, wanted was like so individually minded um, and and had so much of the meaning in life surrounded work and surrounding like that you being your work did that change um through like user testing did that change through just really good leadership that showed you a different way like what changed you from that it's a good question um i think part of it is just experience right mm-hmm. i think you know and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like this is just the, the thing that most designers go through yeah especially you know younger designers we all go through this thing where it's kind of, we feel like, well, we're the designer yeah. and we know what's best. And, you know, 
and 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 we're really good. And that might be true. We might be amazing designers, right? Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the fact, you know, whether or not it makes sense for a product or whether or not, you know, this design in particular is the right design. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think part of it is good management, like, you know, having good mentor figures to kind of look up to and, you know, teach you some of those things or be able to like critique your work. You know, having critique come from someone that you might respect more because they're you know, uh, a designer as well, right? Like, but a more of a mentor figure or a manager or whatever, yeah. or, you know, just gather, you know, gaining more experience. Obviously I think, you know, user, user, exper- user research and user data, like all of that, those, all of those things are helpful tools to understand that maybe, you know, the design that you really favor might not always be the right thing. I think especially yeah. like in-person user research, was like maybe one of the most humbling uh, experiences I've ever had in my life, you know, where this design that I was so excited about um, and I thought was going to solve all our problems was put in front of like, you know, uh, 10 or 20 people for in-depth interviews and they absolutely tore to pieces. And I said, like, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. And then, you know, we went back and I made some small tweaks here and there and then we, you know, got presented back to people and they were like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really about just kind of like, yes, you may be, you may be a good designer and, you know, what you design might work for X, X you know, person or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, especially if you're working at like Zipcar or, U- or Uber or Airbnb or Facebook, where you're dealing with an audience of millions of people, right? Mm-hmm. All over the world, all different ages, um, you know, it's, it's really um it's really something else and it's really just about kind of putting your your hubris aside and and kind of just um accepting that you know you might not always be right Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that i think it's just growth i think it's just like personal career growth just being able to set goals for growth outside of pure designer things so you know when you when you're a junior designer like we have this leveling framework at, at, at airbnb and I think the way it's structured is really interesting because when you're a junior designer or an intern, you know, the, 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 the sort of like the, the growth goals are more aligned with like being a better product designer, um, being a better at executing, right? So like <clears throat> having like high refined craft or, you know, being able to, um, meet deadlines and, you know, deliver high volume of designs within X amount of time, or like being able to have like a more solid understanding of UX architecture and flow charts and decision-making and all that kind of stuff. And the more you grow throughout that career framework and as a designer, you'll notice that slowly and slowly those elements of what a product designer is kind of, kind of leave the room. <laughs> And make place for elements of leadership, elements of communication, elements mm-hmm. of, of partnership, partnership and collaboration, right? It's more about, you know, how do you work with others? Like, how do you lead a project from start to finish, overseeing the whole thing? Less about like, you know, pixel pushing, more about taking, you know, your writing partner and being able to accurately portray the problem that you're facing and have them work on a solution that, you know, um, I guess like elevates the product, right? Or being able to hand off to engineers, 
in a way that they fully understand your intentions and how to build it, um, and also are able to ask the right questions that are needed to be asked. Um, and are you able to ship what you designed, right? Rather than just like, you know, a, a version of it that seems full of compromises because you didn't know when you were designing what can or cannot be built. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really interesting, like as, um, you know, that's kind of like the path that I was on as a designer where there was just a click that needed to be made for me where, you know, I was getting feedback on my, that my growth was basically being stifled because I was so, um, I, I just wasn't good at receiving feedback. Mm. You know, I wasn't good at like dealing with critique or like, um, that kind of stuff. Despite me being a great designer, it was like, you got to work on this. Like you, you're not going to grow unless you work on this. And so yeah. just like, it was like a really a click for me at some point in time where I was like, Oh, I guess like every single thing that I design doesn't have to be the most prestigious thing that, you know, I could be proud of to like display on a wall. Like sometimes it's about compromises and then working around limitations. So, okay, if I can't do this, like, how can I still make it look good? Like, how can I make it still like a good solid experience? I think that a big thing that people uh, experience when they mature as as designers or like just mature as people is that like especially when you're working at this level um with other people realizing that you are all on the same team in wanting to make this thing better i think that's the thing yeah because it's one thing to like i i want to win i want my designs to be up front but like if you're realizing that this person is like a team member with you rather than an opponent oh my god that made such a huge difference for me like yeah. once I was like so I let go of my ego and let go of thinking that like th these are personal attacks to me that's when like everything just started getting easier mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think I think yeah you, you put it into great words um that's that's exactly kind of like what I went through of like oh you're attacking me you know and yeah. it's like no you're trying to make me better right like I think um the quote that comes to mind for me is like, you know, feedback, feedback is a gift, not a curse, right? If someone, if someone critiques your work or someone gives you feedback, yeah. as long as they're good natured about it, right? They're looking to help you grow. And that should be taken as an opportunity to actually grow and think about, okay. And you know, the critique that they might have, right? They're not designers. So mm. you might not necessarily agree with their provided solution you know, or whatever they're saying, but the critique might still be valid, right? So if, if someone tells you like, I just really think that that button should be way bigger. Like mm -hmm. that button is so small, like it should be way bigger, right? Like as a designer, you know, your first instinct as a junior designer might be like, oh, whatever. Like I like the button this way. It's actually looks better this way. It's like more aesthetically pleasing, right? Yeah. Um, and then as you grow, you might say like, okay, well, Fine, I'll make the I'll make the button bigger, but I'm not gonna like it that much. But it's fine, whatever. I'll make it bigger. And yeah. I think as a as a senior designer, as like a lead designer, you take their feedback and say like, well, why do you think it needs to be bigger? What yeah. do you feel like there's not you know it's not being given enough attention? Why is it why is this button so important? And if you understand where they're coming from, like oh, the button is important because you know you have all this copy on this page and the button might be lost. It's like okay, well maybe it's a 
problem with copy then. Maybe we need to slim down a copy. Maybe yeah. we need to make the button a different color. It doesn't necessarily have to be bigger, right? Maybe we just need to trim down the content on this page in general and just simplify. And yeah. so, you know, I think those are kind of like the three different stages that you might go through as like a designer, where you ultimately land on this on this on this point of like, well, they're just trying to make the product better. They didn't necessarily know exactly how to make it better, but they can understand what's wrong with it. Or they can understand that there's something, something wrong with it, right? And then your job as a designer is to extrapolate from that um, and interpret, you know, what they're actually trying to say. And and just like the level of respect that I felt from you, like putting myself in the shoes of this person that you're talking to, like the level of respect of just asking why Mm -hmm. rather than, because I can also just imagine how maybe scary it is to ask somebody for something um when you feel like they don't really want you to be changing their designs like it takes a lot of effort on their part even just to ask you and some people forget that um yeah yeah but like the respect that i just felt when when you were saying well well why is that oh well if that's the issue well have you thought about these other solutions not that the solution you're presenting is, is bad but like maybe let's try to figure out like the root of the problem. And so we can solve it together. Oh my yeah. God, it's a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think, you know, to, to kind of place yourself in the shoes of that other person, right? Like yeah. if, if I'm the one providing feedback to, to a designer, right? Like, especially maybe a more junior designer, um, you know, I think I, I try to place myself in their shoes and know that it's like, well, you know, any feedback that might come their way might be, you know, might not be super welcome or maybe it is welcome, but they're kind of afraid. Like they don't really want to like hear feedback necessarily. Like they're kind of like, you know, uh, they want their design to be good and they want you to think that their design is good as well. Yeah. Right? And so for me, like the way I approach giving feedback now is I try not to make suggestions on how to improve it. Yeah. And if I do, I try not to give just one idea, but I try to sprinkle a bunch of different ideas and let them kind of like figure it out because I'm trying to, so like for instance, right? If someone shows me a screen and, you know, I could look at that screen and say like, you know, I think the problem here is that um, you've got this, like, you know, you've got this weird dynamic going on with your typing. Your, your header is way too big. Your subtext is way too small. Then you, then you're using a different font over here. And then this color is off, right? And I could list all those things and say, here's how you fix it. So you make this like heading, header like 32 pixels and set. And it's like, but that's not relevant. That, that's not how anyone's going to learn, right? Mm-hmm. That's just like them just doing what you're telling them to do. And that's fine sometimes if you're like a creative director, right? But I think, you know, when you actually want someone to grow, it's more important to like give them feedback that can actually help them like solve a problem on their own. So, you know, in that case, I would tell this designer, you know, um, what I'm kind of seeing on this screen is uh, I think there's like a problem with the hierarchy, right? There's, uh, there's a few different elements that are kind of clashing with each other. And I wonder if there's a way to clean that up. So mm-hmm. perhaps playing with the type size or maybe playing with some of the colors, but just trying to unify and maybe bringing it down to like, you know, only... like maybe one or two different type sizes. Um, I think that you should play around with that maybe a little bit, like try a few different versions and see what you like. And then we can take a look. 
Like that's, that's how I would approach a conversation like that, because then you're putting it in their hands to, you know, you're identifying a problem, but you're not presenting a solution because the solution is up to them because they're the designer and that's mm -hmm. how they're going to grow. They're going to be like, Oh, now I see what the actual problem is. Like you're right. But now I actually have to get to that solution and, and make it better. And that will help them in the future, you know, kind of understand and see, like get that designer's eye and be like, Oh, things are off and I know how to fix it. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to be giving them prescriptions on how to fix every single problem and they're never exactly. going to be able to prescribe it themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We just did two hours. Does it feel like two hours? <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> when you said it was going to be two hours, I was like, my, that's going to be, that's going to be my, my ADD is going to like have me and stare out the window and like identify <laughs> on trees, but no, that was that that went over very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope I hope you you had a good time. I this was yeah. this was really fun for me. This was um, great. I really appreciate your time so much. Yeah, likewise. And thank you for thank you for having me. Thank you for hanging me battle on for two hours. <laughs> no, no, no. This is literally my favorite thing to do. I can't do it without a person on the other side. So I, I there's there's one question that I did have uh, left over that I've been holding, and I didn't want to interrupt the flow. And it's a very random question. Um, but the question is, uh, can you quick describe to me what um, uh, bike hockey is? Oh, bike hockey is? <laughs> because I saw a, a photo of you playing like bike field oh, hockey wow, in you Chinatown. <laughs> you I do deep. like. I do an excessive amount of research on people beforehand. I love that. And and a lot of the time, like half of the research that I do doesn't even get used. And, and that's totally fine because it gives yeah. me an overall view of you as a person. But that one I can't let go. I want to know so about bike hockey. <laughs> so so it's gonna be disappointing because uh it wasn't actually me on the bike. Um yeah. but so this is this was in New York. This was during my internship in New York. And yeah. um <clears throat> I so the very, one of the very first things that I did was when I was to or when I got to New York was buy a bike, and so you Makes know sense. I do my internship during the week, yeah, because I'm Dutch, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so my internship was during the weekend, and during the weekends, you know, I was there by myself, like I didn't know anyone, like actually, well, my buddy was there, uh, he also did an internship, but you know, we we knew no one, right? Yeah, um, and I, I don't know if you know New Yorkers well, but like they're hard people to connect with. So what we what we would do, you know, during the during the weekends is, you know, I would just bike around and just like explore the city and be Dutch. Um, and so I would literally bike around all day and just capture like things that I would see, things yeah. that were you know interesting to me. And you know, ninety nine percent of it didn't you know didn't see light of day on like Instagram or anything like that. It was just from my personal collection because I was just like this is so fascinating to me. And then that picture was just so funny, like. We were biking around and we were like, oh, like, you know, it's so funny. It's like so many people are like so afraid to bike in a city. Uh, you, you know, you don't really see it. You see you only the only people that you see biking around the city are like messenger bikes and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we were biking through Chinatown and we just see the most intense game of bike hockey I've ever seen in my life. And also the only game of bike hockey I've ever seen in my life. I haven't seen it anywhere before. Um, and they were going at it. <laughs> just absolutely and it was like fast paced and they had like yeah. custom bikes for it like they, the custom bikes were like the the steering wheel 
um, there were there were no brake lines going from the steering wheel to the back, so like you could like spin the the, the steer around and all that kind of stuff. So they would wow. like, like pivot and then like spin the the <laughs> wheel around like turn the other way. And I was like, oh my god, this is intense. Yeah. Uh, so I had to capture it. That's it. It wasn't yeah. me. I wish it was. <laughs> well, I I'm glad that you answered because I just I don't know. Very rarely are there questions that I can't let go of, and that was one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and uh, the last question that that I uh, I like to book in an episode with, so I always started with, uh, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And um, uh, as like a time capsule thing, I like to ask you: um, uh, Is there anything in the future, like short term or long term, that you're looking forward to? It might be nice to return to in the future and like, "Oh, this is what I was interested in, or this is what I thought life mm-hmm. was going to be like." uh like career-wise or just in general like life-wise anything anything life work uh short-term long-term just anything that you're looking forward to yeah i mean so i think you know my fiance would say that i am um uh a serial hobbyist and (laughs) i I believe that (laughs) (laughs) i have these interests that that would be fleeting and then I fully, you know, I tunnel vision in on them for a hundred percent for like five months. And then I never think about it again or I never do it again. Um, and so there's, there's, there's been one thing throughout my, most of my adult life that has been sort of like coming and going in fleeting moments, but always returns. Mm-hmm. And that's been DJing. Um, and so recently, or not recently, actually, like uh, actually almost a year ago now, I actually decided like, you know what, I need to actually like on in on this because it's it's giving it's so much fun i really like doing it i love music i want to also make my own music and so i really just got to do this thing um and so i just kind of went ham on it and took a full course and everything uh and now and have been kind of trying to like like find gigs in the city and everything and slowly build up like a network of people and now i'm actually playing gigs and djing and so now my my goal is like it's in you know it's a hobby like i i like doing it but i can't possibly see you know a career out of this or anything but my goal has been uh so for for this year i know we're almost at the end of the year but um for this year i would really like to play uh this nightclub in the city in san francisco called audio i'm gonna make it happen it's gonna it's gonna happen i already know (laughs) and uh and for next year i want to release um my own ep on like spotify um, so okay. those those are two like short term short term goals for me. And I always like to set goals for myself when I when I learn a new hobby or something like that. It just makes things a little bit more real. Um, and then I just want to get to a place where you know five or ten years from now, I want to get to a place where I feel like I'm still getting so much like fulfillment, creative creative fulfillment out of these things in life. And maybe at that point, I don't know if it's going to be DJing. I don't know if it's going to be like you know, creating music or whatever, maybe it's something else, maybe it's painting, you know, maybe it's ceramics again, but I just want to be able to get to that point where I still feel like I'm learning something and I'm excited about what I'm learning. I think that would be amazing. I think that that is a wonderful thing to have in mind. And also um, like thinking about the people around you as well. Like, I think that somebody that always wants to be engaged in things and um is like just full of life and things like that um that's also a wonderful person to be around 
Um, so I don't know. I think that that's a wonderful goal for yourself, but also um, in terms of other people in your life, I think that adds to their life as well. And I think that's a lovely note to end on. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate spending time with you. And I really hope this is just goodbye until next time. <laughs>